Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Comparison is an unavoidable part of life as a human being, for better or for worse. We so often get our sense of identity, our, our concept of who we are, from how we measure up to others around us. This can be innocuous and even comical. For instance, if you've finished junior high, there's a very good chance that you are taller than me. (laughs) I know this because I used to teach junior high, and when the students were bright-eyed and brand new, I could see over all their heads, and by the time they'd moved on to high school, I was pretty much always the shortest person in the room. But it can also be damaging. If I substitute taller than with better looking than, or smarter than, or stronger than, or richer than, do you have faces and names popping into your head? We all know the people to whom we have a tendency to compare ourselves. And we can all find someone in our lives who ends up on the wrong side of than, that person that we think about when we need a little bit of an ego boost to feel okay about where we've ended up in life. The fact of the matter is, people around us become natural measuring rods of who we are and how we're doing relative to everyone else. All of us fall into this trap, and it can produce an overinflated view of ourselves. Comparison is the sworn enemy of humility. We see this happening in our gospel passage today as the Pharisee and the tax collector pray next to each other in the temple. Here's the scene. The Pharisee picks a spot where he's got a good view of everyone around him. While he's praying, he sees the tax collector over his shoulder and gets a little full of himself thinking he's so much better than him. The tax collector, on the other hand, keeps to himself staring at the floor, not wanting to make eye contact with anyone, acknowledging only God. The Pharisee, admittedly, comes across a little pompous in this picture. But before we come down too hard on him, let's consider the facts. He's actually the epitome of the all-around good guy. He pledges 10% of his income and then gives it to the temple. Fabulous. Let's put him in charge of our stewardship campaign. (laughs) He doesn't cheat on his wife. He doesn't steal. He's always fair. He's morally upright in all of the right ways the type of guy you really want to move into the apartment next to you. So when he looks at the tax collector and sees someone who's collaborating with a foreign occupying army, the Romans, and cheating his neighbor out of their hard-earned money and lining his pockets in the process, and when the Pharisee is a little bit relieved that he's not like that, 
he's actually feeling some pretty normal human emotion. If I were to walk into the temple and see these two guys praying, I'm probably going to end up gravitating towards the Pharisee. He's the one I want to be like because he's the one who's doing God's work. I want him to look over his shoulder at me and go, oh, there's MJ. She's all right. She's got it together like me. But Jesus takes our natural tendency for comparison and turns it upside down on itself in this parable. He calls out the Pharisee and all the rest of us because trying to convince ourselves that we're righteous by looking at other people is a losing game every time. The Pharisee gets it wrong when he compares himself to the tax collector thinking he's righteous before God because he's more pious than him. His piety is a good thing, but it doesn't make him righteous. Just like he can always find a tax collector to feel better than, to feel better than, there's also always a higher standard of piety that he just can't reach. The tax collector gets it right when he looks not at anyone around him, but at God, and sees himself for who he is, someone in need of God's mercy. He's a sinner, a bad one, one maybe none of us would want to hang out with in real life. But his realization of that and his humility before God is what makes him righteous. But right here is the most dangerous part of interpreting this parable. Because it's so tempting for me to think, oh, so I want to be less like the Pharisee and more like the tax collector. But let's play out what that might look like. What if I walked into the temple and avoided the Pharisee and tried to be like the tax collector? I might be able to scrape up something that looks like humility, beating my breast, staring at the ground. But I'm probably going to end up looking over my shoulder, going, thank God I'm not like that Pharisee. And I'm right back where we started, comparing myself to others and feeling pride in my self-righteousness. So what's the answer to this conundrum? We find it in the final verse of this parable. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now normally, humility and pride are set up in opposition to each other. But I want to explore the idea that it's actually comparison that leads to the opposite of humility. Comparison to other people. We cannot actually truly be humble when we are subtly, subconsciously, or overtly comparing ourselves to other people. Because true humility is found before God, not before other humans. When we look at God and see him for who he truly is, our creator, redeemer, sustainer, then we can see ourselves for who we truly are. We are creatures 
made in his image. We are sinners, dead in our disobedience. We are forgiven, raised to life through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Knowing this is the beginning of true humility. And we don't see this about ourselves when we look at other people. When we're in the comparison trap, we see the good and bad things that others do and the good and bad things that we do. And we are hardwired to try to figure out where we fit in the rankings. We end up thinking, thank God I'm doing a little better than my coworker. Or wondering, am I pledging more than others in my income bracket? And the problem is that these types of comparisons are meaningless without an outside standard. We just end up in this messy back and forth of more than and less than that means nothing without an absolute. When we look at God and compare ourselves to him as the standard of perfection, we know that no matter what, we will never measure up on our own. His holiness and righteousness surpasses anything we might dream of attaining. All our imperfections, our sins, all our meager attempts at piety are on full display before a faultless God. This is what the tax collector got right. And this is what the Pharisee was probably terrified of. It feels far easier to compare ourselves to another sinful human than to the perfect God of the universe. But there is freedom and life to be found in falling short of God because he does not ask us to measure up. Instead, he asked his son to measure up for us. And Jesus did that in his life, death, and resurrection. It is because of Jesus that when we stand before God, warts and all, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, and proclaims us righteous in his sight. No matter whether or not our kids are better behaved than someone else's, no matter whether or not we get our pledge in by October 30th, no matter whether or not we are better than or worse than the people around us, God deems us righteous in his sight because of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to tell you not to compare yourselves to other people. I could. But we all know that every one of us would walk out of here and start comparing ourselves to other people. It's just too ingrained in who we are. So instead, I will encourage you to take a risk, the risk of true humility. 
stand before God, fall short of his glorious perfection, receive his mercy. I guarantee you it will be the most freeing comparison you ever make. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org give. Thank you for your support.